It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 6th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore ond. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll have part two of my conversation with 407area.com's David Bauman as we'll shift our discussion toward Magic history as we talk about the the 10-year anniversary of the Orlando Magic's 2009 trips to the NBA Finals, some of the controversies that arose during that Finals run, our memories of the Magic reaching the NBA Finals that year and how much fun that season was, and of course, what happened to close that championship window. We'll dive into all of that today. If you missed part one of our conversation, we talked about the 2019 Orlando Magic and the offseason the Magic had in 20, had this, this summer uh, as we get ready for the 2020 season and, and look ahead a little bit to the 2020 season. You can go back into the archives on Locked On Magic to check that out and listen to it there. You can, of course, download the Locked On Magic podcast and find that episode on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, everywhere you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And, of course, you can check out all the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, too, whether it's NBA, MLB colleges, or NFL as well. The Lockdown Podcast Network has your needs filled with a daily podcast uh, hosted by a local expert like someone like me who follows their team religiously on the ground and, and of course, follows every moving and shaking going on. We'll get back to some of those movings and shakings with the Orlando Magic coming up later this week. I've got some thoughts on Wesley Awundu I want to get out, uh, as well as plenty of other stuff, including some FIBA stuff to, to get to as well. So we got plenty to get to here, even though we're sort of in the dead part of the summer. But today we'll focus on the 2009 and 2010 Orlando Magic specifically in our conversation with David Bauman. Um, So make sure you go check out those other great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Well, uh, another another reason I wanted to 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 bring you on uh, is is we you know we're it's hard to believe this that that we are ten years. From the Magic making the finals in 2009, and 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 really the the height of the honestly the best stretch in Magic history, the longest stretch of sustained success in Magic history. Uh, and I know you were on the front, you know, not I don't want to say on the front lines, but but you were in the locker room covering that team uh, back back then. A, can you believe that it's been a decade? Since Dwight Howard was was destroying backboards in Cleveland, and the Magic were playing in the NBA Finals, and 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 what I mean, what do you take away from from watching those team, watching that team play? Ten years, holy yeah. smokes! Lots it changed. Was, uh, it was quite a ride, yeah, Philip. I was I was covering the team uh, every step of the way on the road for every road game. Uh, covering it for News 13 uh, and the sports coverage is now Spectrum Sports 360. Uh, they're part of the, you know, the News 13 family. 
but um, it was it was a phenomenal run. It, it was incredible. I mean, and it was such a great group of guys. Uh, I mean, th- there were so many likable characters. The 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 only prickly part of it was the impending Dwight Howard free agency situation, and that that loomed for like four years. It seemed, yeah, you know. But like the team was the team was winning like like yeah. I don't remember anyone talking about it until until LeBron went to Miami and they hit that yeah. roadblock and and they started making those those panic moves in December 2010 uh, that 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 really began the descent like I I I will remember where I was when I heard the Magic made those trades uh, and was like this is the end this is this is it the the, the ride is over. I can tell you where I was. I was in the what was ESPN 1080, the team studios that afternoon, and we had caught word that the Magic had traded Courtney Lee, Tony Batie, um, and oh boy, who was the third piece? Was it? It was. It was Rafer. Rayford to to Brooklyn for Ryan Anderson and Vince Carter. See, I, I don't. I don't. I was on the radio and I immediately called Dwight Howard. Said Dwight, this is. Do you believe this? Ha- I mean, you guys just got Vince Carter. What do you think of this? And Dwight was like shocked. He was yeah. absolutely shocked. It, it was like, you know, I mean, just from hearing his voice, I could picture him, and it was like seeing a ghost. You know, like he couldn't believe the Magic just traded Courtney Lee because he and Courtney they were, were tight. tight. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, Courtney was a rookie and and was starting games for. A, a big portion of, of his rookie year, and and the Magic just played against Kobe, and uh, I mean, talk about another front line heavy team uh, uh, with with Bynum and Gasol, and that was probably the last. I mean, that that Bynum Gasol run, but but you know, if I'm remembering that 09 Finals correctly, you know, they had Bynum and Gasol, but Lewis was probably the best offensive option the Magic had in that series, Dwight would get Bynum in foul trouble early, and they'd go small with Gasol and Odom and Ariza, and that's really what I think won the series for the Lakers, was they were able to match up with the Magic's versatility. I mean, if, if, if Howard hadn't gotten Bynum in foul trouble and they would have stayed big, you know, Orlando might have ended up having a better shot in that series, uh, you know, counterfactually, counter because Rashard Lewis... You know, we're we're getting ready to do a, a series on Orlando Magic Daily, talking about the most underappreciated players in Magic history. Rashard yeah. Lewis is way up there. He was a fantastic defender, one of the, a really underrated passer. Not like a playmaker passer, but he, like him and Hito Turkoglu were the two best entry post entry passers I've ever seen on the Magic. They got the ball to Dwight in the exact spot he needed to score, and. I, I, I think that and they found their spot. Yeah, and, and and so I think that the Lakers being forced to use Odom a lot more and, and sliding Ariza into the three to guard Turkoglu, that's why they were able to win that series so handily because they were unlike Cleveland, they were able to match up with the Magic really really well. And Gasol's or Pau Gasol is a really good defender in his own was was a really good defender in his own right, not like a highlight reel defender. But he could hold his own, and the Lakers were able to use their length to kind of dig down. And, you know, really, I, I look back at that 2009 Finals, and it's really the first Finals that looks like what the NBA is today. Like, the Magic were, like, kind of ahead of their times and proved, I think, to the rest of the league that three-point shooting can win you high-level basketball games. 
Absolutely. I mean, the Magic were making record number of threes that year, Richard uh, especially. Um, I, I think they had one game against was it Sacramento that year? The Sacramento the game, they they set the they set the then record for for three point three point field goals in the game. Right. Yeah, and, and you know to think back against that that uh, that Lakers series, it's funny, Philip. You said the Lakers go small, and then you you mentioned Odom and Ariza and, and Powell. I mean, Powell's still a seven footer. Odom's six ten. Ariza's about six nine. Um, but yeah, and that I mean that's how big the Lakers were because Bynum was a giant at like seven one. Yeah. Uh, and and you know he was. But he couldn't move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can move. And then Kobe's there at six eight. You know, yeah. basically playing at two. <laughs> you know, it's just incredible. I mean, they were. Uh, yeah, the Lakers was that was just such a tough tough matchup and and uh, I I do think Otis Smith panicked. He, 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 a little bit. I, I think so. So you know, you know, it's it's interesting you brought up the Courtney Lee trade because because I do I do agree with you that it did have an adverse effect on on Dwight Howard and his mood and and you know the Magic that that summer pushed all their chips to the center of the table and if they didn't come out winners, then yeah. then you know they they risk losing their biggest prize and 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 I I do think that's that's something to consider, but I honestly would argue. The 2010 team was better than the 2019. Uh, see, I disagree with that. Okay. Um, and I, and I think you and I have actually d- disagreed a little bit um, online. Um, yeah. And That's all healthy debate. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I, I enjoy uh, having healthy debate back and forth with you because I, I think you and I don't always see eye to eye on some situations, but we can still talk things out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, rationally and, and my argument against 2010 is um, I, I think uh, Vince Carter was on the decline mm-hmm. and uh, he was not at the peak of his, of his game he had, he had lost some of his jumping ability uh, and I think in the postseason uh, in particular I mean I that that Boston Celtics series I think Vince Carter uh, he I mean he he collapsed like a like the a, the the free throws, the free throws he missed in game two were the end of Vince Carter, it, like yeah. well I mean the the end of Vince Carter superstar or star or like star caliber player, um it's it's always free throws with this team uh, whether it's game four then oh nine finals game one of the ninety five finals it's always free throws, um but no no I, I I agree with you on that point I I think I think people you know. You know, again, we're going to talk about underappreciated Magic stars, and Vince Carter suddenly become more appreciated as he's become kind of this elder statesman in the league. But um, I think when you look back at Vince Carter's time with Orlando, he was fine. Like he wasn't bad, but he wasn't what the Magic needed. The Magic made that trade; they took that gamble, trading away Courtney Lee to get Vince Carter All Star player. Because the thing they were yeah. missing on the O nine team. That that Hito Turkoglu really couldn't give. That Hito Turkoglu gave them in spurts. That Jameer Nelson gave them in spurts. What they were missing is the same thing they're missing now: someone who can create his own shot off the perimeter, take that last last second shot. And they and Vince Carter, when they acquired him, was still you know maybe not an All Star caliber player, but right on the borderline of an All Star caliber player. So he was still putting up 18, 19 points per game uh, for right. for the Nets. And Orlando Orlando, I think, thought that you know we can slide him in. He won't have to carry as heavy of an offensive load. And then when the time comes in those big moments, he will be our guy. Because Dwight can't be that guy because he can't hit free throws. Um, and, you know, 
I, I think I agree with you completely. Vince Carter shriveled in the play in, in that conference finals. He I, I honestly game two, game after game two of that conference finals, he did not exist. He disappeared. He lost all confidence. And that was always Vince Carter's rap was in the big moments he didn't deliver. And it wasn't just the 2000, 2000 con, uh, conference semifinals against Philadelphia against uh, Philadelphia. It was other moments too. Uh, there were other moments too where he was he just didn't step his game up. And and that's a fair criticism I think of Vince Carter's career at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but you know I look back and, and and I think the biggest thing with Vince Carter on that team was. He tried really hard just to fit in, and he had that mindset. And when the Magic needed him to take over, because um, you know, I look back, especially to Game One of that Eastern Conference Finals series with Boston. Vince Carter carried that team. It was an uh, you know, every time Orlando and Boston played each other, it was the ugliest basketball you could find. There was the the, the the scores were in the low 90s, mid 90s. You know, even in an era where teams were routinely scoring 100 points, uh, he kept them in that game because everyone else was struggling. I think he had. You know, in a game that ended up being like a 95-93 game or 95-92 game, I think he had 18, 19 points. That's that's a pretty significant amount. And even in game two, he played really well, and then he missed those two free throws at the end that cost that would have tied the game, if I'm not mistaken. And he disappeared from the rest of the series, and then into the following year, he just wasn't right. His confidence just wasn't there. And you know, you know, from everything I've heard, there were problems between Dwight and Vince at that point. And you know. Certainly, some of it might have stemmed from, you, you know, we traded my best friend and, and you didn't deliver when it mattered. You know, Dwight certainly did his part to, to keep the magic in, in that series and keep the magic alive. But, uh, you know, it, it, Vince didn't deliver what the magic needed at the end of the day. And, and I do agree with that. But at the same time, I would argue the magic were losing Hito Turkoglu. If they re-signed Hito Turkoglu, they would have gotten perhaps the Hito Turkoglu that they got, that Toronto got. That they that they ended up getting when they acquired him back at the back end of that deal, they needed to do something to stay in the title picture. They couldn't fall, you know. If they would have, if they would have let Turkaloo walk and not filled that spot with someone, they would have taken a step back. And you know, I think the thing that we've that that I certainly learned uh, in that in that era is when your window's open, you got to go for it. And and I do applaud Otis Smith because he went deep into the luxury tax. They re-signed Gortop that summer. He was a restricted free agent. They get when they they got Brandon Bass while they were waiting on Gortat to sign him, while Gortat was still under an offer sheet because they still could do that and they got both of them back. You know, as much as everyone probably looks at the Vince Carter side of that Nets deal, they got Ryan Anderson who turned out to be a very very good player as well. Um they, they sure did a, they did they they made I think they it was cold and calculating for sure and you know, I think the ma- the way the Magic maybe did business wasn't the best way to do things with 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 Dwight especially. But I think they did what they had to do to stay competitive. I think they stayed competitive. You know, if they they didn't, if, if Kevin Garnett plays in 09, the Magic aren't beating the Celtics. I, I think we all know yeah, we all know that. And the Celtics were a bit of a different team. You bring up uh, Garnett, um, and and you know, to your point that you say the 2010 team was better. That 2010 team rattled off what eight straight wins to start the playoffs. They were, if I'm not mistaken. They went the last. I mean, we talk about the Magic going. What was it, twenty-two and nine over the final thirty-one games of of this past yeah. season? That Magic team in twenty ten went, if I'm not mistaken, went thirty-three and eight over the last forty-one games of that season. The last half of that season, then won their next eight games in the playoffs to go forty to go. They were forty-one and eight over over a forty-nine game period. 
which the Magic certainly have never done before, which is just incredible to think about. Um, yeah, I, I remember, it's like Monday Golden State Warriors regular season. Yeah, like they were they were a juggernaut. I mean, the Magic, yeah. the Magic were built to beat LeBron. Like think like think about that. Uh, I mean, I, I I still fully believe this. I have never seen a better individual series, probably until Kawhi, what Kawhi Leonard did this this off this this season, but maybe not even then. I've never seen a better individual series than LeBron James in the 2009 Eastern Conference Finals. He was incredible. I can quickly look up the stats here, but he was insanely good in that series. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He was and, and, and honestly... I, actually, I remember asking LeBron James after one of those games uh, on a game winner if that was the biggest shot of his career, and he told me yes. Uh, which was pretty wild. Yeah, that, I mean that game two winner is all people show from that series. But the Magic, the Magic, you know, they won. I mean, they didn't win game four handle. I mean, they won game one coming from behind. They won game four in overtime. The Magic beat them. They won that series. Um, let me let me. I mean, what what LeBron had to do in game five to force a game six was was incredible. Uh, LeBron's final numbers in that Eastern Conference Final series in two thousand nine. 38 and a half points per game. Oh my god. 48.7% shooting. 8.3 rebounds per game. 8 assists per game with a steal and a block for good measure. Beast. Uh, I, I I would I would venture to say that at his peak and, I, and this is probably where we need to go to go to next. At his peak, Dwight Howard was the only player, LeBron James, perhaps, you know, one of the five best players in NBA history. Dwight Howard at his peak was the one player LeBron James was scared to drive on. Sure, sure. And, and uh, you could say Dwight and the Magic had LeBron's number. Uh, yeah. Those years. Those years. I mean, there was no, uh, what, Kobe-LeBron finals, right? Because yep. of uh, Because of Dwight and yep. the Magic. Really. Uh, it's amazing to think about. Yeah, I mean, Dwight Howard was, was physically, at the time, he and LeBron were probably the two most physically gifted guys in the NBA, I would say, in 2008 and 2009, 2010 as well, for good measure. Have the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have people forgotten how good Dwight Howard was because of sure. sort of all the nonsense yeah. that's followed yeah. him since since 2011? Yeah, yeah. I, I think people absolutely have forgotten because Dwight's uh, uh, fall off uh, has been so dramatic. It really has. Um, that it's crazy to think too that that back injury actually started in Orlando. Um, I, I I don't have any reporting to support this, but I I think that was the nail in the coffin was how the Magic handled that back injury. I, I Dwight's you know I have a lot to say about Dwight. I could probably write a book about about what Dwight was thinking and what people were thinking at that time. But I I feel like Dwight really. Ulti- like Dwight tried to please everybody, and, and that's I think that's his ultimate downfall. Is he spent a lot yeah. of his youth trying to just make everyone happy, whether it was the fans, whether it was 
his parents, whether it was his, his guys, whether it was his agent, whether it was whoever. And, and I, never, I, I never got the sense that he really understood what made him happy and, and what he really, really wanted. He was always trying to do what other people wanted for him. And I think the one moment of clarity he might have had was when he decided to stay but then the back injury happened and he lost a lot of trust with the magic at that point. And I think that's when, that's when he ultimately decided for good that he was leaving. Because I don't think he ever really decided and the magic pushed him to make a decision before he was really ready, I think, at the end, at the end of the day. And it's their, it, their business too. Like they, they were still suffering the scars of Shaq. They didn't want that to happen again. So I understand why the magic did what they did. But, you know, Dwight's, you, you were around Dwight a lot more than I was. But it, it felt like, it always felt like to me, Dwight was, uh, just, just so, he was he was a general. I, I still think he's a genuinely good person who's just trying to make everyone else happy, and just was never really in touch with what he wanted to do at the end of the day. Yeah, he had so many people pulling him in so many directions. I, I do think Dwight had a, a problem with uh, just stating the truth. I think that he would have made it a lot easier on himself. He would have just been open and, and honest with with the fans and the media, and he he just couldn't do it. For whatever reason, I don't think I don't think he was ever. Co- yeah. I, I I mean honestly, like my read of the situation, I don't think he was ever committed one way or the other. I don't think he had made his decision when he made when he made the trade request. I, I mean, I think well, I, that's why. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Philip, and I think he should have just been honest about that. You know, uh, and I think that would have made things easier. On and him because that I, I can't imagine I, what what that was like for him at the time because it it was. I mean, it was a constant story nationally. It was a yeah. constant story as well. What's Dwight gonna do? What's Dwight? I mean, but 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 he, but I mean, we saw what happened with Anthony Davis this summer. We saw what happened with Kawhi Leonard and and with LeBron James when he's gone through free agency. Only the best players get that kind of attention. Dwight earned that attention because he was one of the best players in the league. I mean, undoubtedly the best center in the league at the time. Undoubtedly yes. one of the five best players in the league. Undoubt. I mean. I, I joke around with people. Vince Carter, not known as a good defender, he turned a, a team that had Jameer Nelson, love Jameer Nelson, not a you know, pesky defender, not a great defender. He turned a team of Jameer Nelson, Tito Turkoglu, uh, Tito Turkoglu or Vince Carter into one of the best defenses, not only in the league at the time, but one of the best defenses the league had seen in that era. Yeah, because, yes. Because he was that good. Yeah, I mean, he was a back-to-back-to-back defender. Yep. Yep, three-time, three-time defensive player of the year. Um, this debate's this debate's going to get bit, once Vince Carter is in the Hall of Fame, which which he will be. The debate's going to turn to is Dwight Howard a Hall of Famer, and the answer to that question is if the answer to that question is anything but yes, you're wrong. He is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's such a sad case with him. And it, it really, is. I mean, it's, and, it's he he to me is the 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 study case of um, the grass isn't always greener. Yep, for sure. Uh, you know, and and I would uh, and I would yeah. And and I and 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 I I always want to say this too. I think you know players get a lot of blame for some of these things. I, I do think the Magic front office and the Magic organization deserves some blame for kind of leaving Dwight out in the wind the way they did. They tried to take care of their business. The Magic had their reasons for asking him before that season whether he was going to stay or not um, because this organization went through Shaquille O'Neal. They, they lost an all-time Hall of Fame great player and got nothing for him, and they know how far that can set you back. They, they understood that. 
And, and so I think that they were trying to take care of themselves and that wasn't the problem. You know, I still think the problem was, you know, when Dwight told them initially, I want to be traded, they didn't get a deal done. They let him kind of twist in the wind. They let his indecision kind of keep him on the team and, and keep giving fans hope. When, you know, really you look at how New Orleans handled Anthony Davis, they took a lot of heat for sitting Davis. But at the end of the day, that's probably the right way to handle things when, when that time comes. You look at the way the Thunder handled Paul George. Paul George told him he wanted out. They got to work and got it done before it became an issue. They didn't let that thing linger. I, I do think there are still things we in the media oh, for sure. do not know about what happened between Dwight and the front office. You for know, sure. Um, it, it's obviously uh, truthful that, that Dwight uh, tried to run out Stan Van Gundy. And, it's uh, undoubted. And I mean, did not fire Stan Van Gundy. Uh, it, de- it depends how you want to define run out. But there was definitely an issue between Dwight and Stan Van Gundy, and you know it that that relationship probably went a year, maybe two years longer than it than it should have. Mm-hmm. And Stan did uh, and Stan day, did not make things one better. Day, <laughs> one day we're gonna find out something more happened uh, between the front office and Dwight. One day we will find out something. I, I I know there's something lingering still. Dwight has alluded to it in the past. And he has never fully divulged whatever it was that went down between him and the front office. Something else happened uh, that led to this fracture uh, of a relationship between the Magic and Dwight. But it's yeah. it, and any way you want to break it down, in any way we want to speculate, it, it still ends up as a really sad case in NBA history. Um, because, the, I mean, Dwight Howard should have statues built in this city. Uh, he was the king of this city while he was here, and um, you know there 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 would have been streets named after him, um, but you know and, and uh, you know some of his faults because he had plenty of faults too uh, uh, as a teammate and uh, you know in life as we all do, but uh, some of his faults were overlooked here in Orlando. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, and uh, but you know he he. He learned the hard way that the the bright lights of Los Angeles um, aren't always so kind, and uh, he's continued to learn that every step of the way. And and you know, uh, Washington last year was uh, awful uh, as he underwent season-ending surgery, uh, and now he's just like you know trying to hang on to. to to an NBA it's, it's, it's honestly this is this is the scary part it's it's not clear he will play in the NBA this year that's uh, exactly right that's that's and that's staggering because you know he, he was such such a I mean he was one of the best players he is he is a Hall of Famer again if you do and yeah. if you do not think he is a Hall of Famer famer you are wrong um, he will be in the all you know time mends all wounds Shaquille O'Neal came back yeah. Penny Hardaway who arguably exited Orlando messier than Shaquille O'Neal exited Orlando. He came back. He is beloved yeah. in this town again. Um, and he was not beloved when he left. Fans hated him when he left. Um, and he gets such a huge ovation now. He was, I, if, I, if, I, if I remember correctly, when he came back for the 25th anniversary, he was unsure of, inviting, of accepting the invitation because he did not think the fans would welcome him back. Like that's and that's insane to think about now because he is literally one of the most beloved players in in franchise history. I mean, I wasn't at the Memphis UCF game, but I would imagine he got cheered when he was introduced as Memphis's head coach. 
Um, we'll see if that lasts, you know, with Memphis now being one of the best teams in the country, um, thanks to Penny's recruiting, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, Dwight will be welcomed back eventually. He will be in the Magic Hall of Fame eventually. Um, I think you can make an I argument. Agree. I think you can make an argument that he is the best player in Magic history. Um, you know, I, I, I make that argument quietly sometimes, but I, I, I recognize that Shaq is very, very good, and, and there are other very, very good players in Magic history. Um, he, is, he is on the Mount Rushmore of Magic history. There, there, there's no denying that because of what he did, what he built you know, as the centerpiece of the most sustained run of success this, this franchise has seen. Um, they made what? Uh, uh, five playoffs in a row? Got out of the first round th three times? Which the, this team had never gotten out of the playoffs, gotten, gotten out of the first round three straight years. Um, the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, so, yeah, there, there goes that. There, there, there's one other piece of controversy to talk about in the 2009 Finals, but we will not talk about it because uh, um, Jimmy Nelson is, is beloved by everyone and, and Rafer Alston also beloved by everyone, and we don't need to dredge up that part of the past. Um, and Rafer still played a lot. He still played a lot in this. He game. did. I I, 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 I think that well, let's get into it. I think that the magic I think that the magic were right to bring back Jameer Nelson. Um, if he was healthy, he gave them the best chance to win that series. The issue was the, the issue was the yeah, and he was coming off the bench. The issue was it was clear by game two that Jameer Nelson was not Jameer Nelson. and Stan Van Gundy still played him at the end of games like he was Jameer Nelson. And that wasn't the right decision. That Stan Van Gundy, best coach in Magic history, got thoroughly outcoached in that final series. Phil Jackson whipped him. <laughs> as much as Stan Van Gundy made Mike Brown look silly in the Eastern Conference Finals, Phil Jackson made Stan Van Gundy look really bad in the finals. Um, there's just yeah. no getting around that. And the Jameer Nelson decision... Well, I think the reasoning, if you're going process over results, I think the Magic were right to, to play him and give him a try because he potentially could be a huge impact. But it was very, very clear that, you know, again, by game two, that he wasn't that guy. Um, you know, if he, I've heard some people say that, you know, Rafer was clearly a little, little on edge about it and that might have affected his play. Um, again, Rafer probably should have been finishing those games. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a certain, certainly I think that it was the right decision to bring Jameer Nelson back. It was the wrong decision to play him as much as they did. Yeah, I, I want to say Rafer still played somewhere around 30 minutes a game. Yeah, he still played. I mean, end of game four, I, I don't think Jameer Nelson was in the wrong spot necessarily. I think there were other tactical mistakes made during that series of plays. But Ray Ferrolson should have been in that game. It, it shouldn't. It should not have been Jameer Nelson. And I, I honestly, if I, if I, you know, maybe it's revisionist history. I thought that at the time, um, even though I thought Jameer Nelson should play, I, I thought that Ray Ferrolson still should have been getting his starters minutes. Yeah. Jameer no, Nelson was not clearly I, better. I just, up, uh, I just loaded up the final stats from that year, and uh, Jameer averaged three point eight points per game. Um, 
that's crazy because when you think about that, Phil, that was an all-star year. He was an all-star that year. Like, he was so you, good. When you miss half the season and you're going to come back for the finals, you know, you're going to be so out of shape, and that's exactly what it was. Yeah. But, you, I mean, you got to remember, too, in the two games the Magic played against the Lakers, Jameer Nelson destroyed Derek Fisher. Like, he he, he just... he Jameer Nelson... The, the, the game to me of that season that made me think, whoa, the Magic might win the... The Magic might be title contenders was when Jameer Nelson... I, I don't know what he scored against the Lakers that, se- that season, uh, but in Los Angeles, on national TV, Jameer Nelson just dominated the Los Angeles Lakers in the, se- in the second half of that game. And to, yeah. and to me, that was the game where the light clicked on and I was like, that was a, that was a championship win right there. That was a win that only championship teams get. And the Orlando Magic are a championship-level team. It's amazing to think how well Raper filled Jameer's shoes the rest of that season, too. I mean, I mean if, if— To get him to the finals, unbelievable. I mean, we, 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 we harped on Otis Smith and some of his general manager decisions— if the Magic would have finished that season with Anthony Johnson and Teron Liu as their as their point guards, they would not have gotten out of the first round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that Philadelphia series was tough. They would not have gotten out of the first round if uh, if if those two were their point guards. Um, just pulled up those stats. December twentieth, two thousand eight, the Magic played the Lakers in Orlando. Jameer Nelson, twenty seven points, five assists, eleven for sixteen shooting, four for six on threes. Um, wow. January sixteenth. Magic in Los Angeles against the Lakers. Jameer Nelson, 28 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, 9 for 18 shooting, 3 for 6 from, the, from 3, 7 for 8 from the foul line. Like, those, those, were, those were games. <laughs> and that was the game after the Magic hit the, hit the three-point record against the Kings. Incredible. Yeah, he was... Jameer Nelson had a really special season in 2009, and and, and just like kind of Nick Anderson, it's unfortunate all a lot of fans remember about him was that he shouldn't have been playing in those finals. Yeah, I know. That's pretty sad. Yeah. Because, I mean, otherwise, uh, yeah, you can't help but wonder. But, I mean, listen, the the Lakers still kind of ran away with that series. The Lakers, that was was a close five-game series, but the right team won. Um, and I, I and I honestly, I'll admit this to myself. Uh, I think even if Jameer Nelson were healthy, and like Jameer Nelson, the Lakers probably still win that series in, in six games. Maybe yeah, maybe the, a healthy Jameer gets them another game. Because I mean, with the experience on that Lakers roster, with with Phil Jackson, with a couple of hands filled with rings. I mean, if it, it was the, you know, the, that was the Magic's first moment the Lakers had been there done that so many times that it you're right Philip it doesn't matter if it was a, a, an all-star caliber Jameer Nelson that was going to be an uphill climb yeah well David it was it was good to reminisce reminisce with you about about good times clearly even Those when the great days, man. even Those even when really the times are good days. there's something to complain about but um but they were they're obviously great times it was it was good to see the magic back in the playoffs again like Honestly, just covering and writing about this team, I like yeah. you forget what it's like to write about a playoff team sometimes, and forget like <laughs> like 
You know, like I, I uh, people sometimes complain to me that I'm a little too curmudgeonly when the team is winning, and I'm just like because they they didn't play well. They won the game, sure, but they didn't play well. Um, it, it's fun to play to that higher standard, and, and I'm looking forward to doing it again in in 2020. Um, David, I'm, I'm with you, but you know, I I uh, this year for the first time I, I was more upbeat. You know, yeah, I was uh, I was actually getting pretty sick of being curmudgeonly myself over the last seven years. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think um, the Magic Media gets gets kind of picked on a little bit a, 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 as a bunch of homers. I think you and I both gave the Magic plenty of crap over the last uh, <laughs> I, seven I'm, years, deservedly so. I'm, I'm admittedly the optimist. I, I try to, to, to see the benefit of the doubt and, 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 and you know, at least say that there was a thought pro a, a re rational thought process behind decisions, even if they don't work out. But I mean, yeah. I, I felt like I said, I think I said 32 wins this year, 30, 32, 33, 34 wins somewhere in there. And I thought that was optimistic. So uh, I, I, that was proven wrong, obviously. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, I like to think I'm up. I, I like, I'm an optimist, you know, that's, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I am. But, um, you know, it was, it was, it, it was nice to, to say like, look, they're winning. They're doing good things. Because I, I got. I mean, I said that this 2019 team was a playoff team and should be playing to a playoff standard in December. And I remember fans yelling at me for it because they wanted to tank and get Zion and do all that. And I'm just like, no, guys. This team. I've seen them play. I've seen the teams they've beaten. They can be a playoff team. They just got to get. They just got to get their stuff together. They got to get get everything together. And when it finally happened, it was just like. I mean, like. I was having meetings with people in January and saying, well, what if the magic make the playoffs? And they're like, and I was still getting laughed at. And it was just like, you know, it, yeah. it, it's, it's amazing in this Eastern conference, especially you go on a nice month yeah. and a half long run. That's enough. That's really all you need to do is play elite basketball for a month and a half and just kind of tread water and you're fine. Yeah, buddy. I, I'm with you. I never pulled out the tank completely this year. I was, I was on the verge of it near the, uh, the trade deadline. I, I was nearly on the verge of saying, eh, this season's screwed, you know, but I, I never fully uh, abandoned it that the, the Magic could, could uh, make a run. And then, sure enough, I, I, I loved the false trade, and then I loved seeing the Magic going on a run after that acquisition. And, uh, uh, you know, everything's better in town when the, Ma when the Magic are winning. It, it, feels, it feels like there's a lot of optimism. Like yeah. that, it, that's the bottom line. It just, it just feels like, th I mean, every, I mean, there, there are still people who are afraid of what could go wrong, but it, yeah. it just feels like the magic are in good hands that, you know, they, they took some risk that I, I won't deny that they took some risk for the soft season and bringing back the players they brought back. Um, but you feel like you can trust this team to move forward and, and continue to get better. And, and that, and that's a good feeling as, as a fan base and, and, and as, and as everything else. Yeah, I'm. I'm expecting them to be better than they were last year, and that's that's amazing to think that. And you have evidence to suggest they will be. <laughs> winning record. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah. Um, well, well, David, I want to thank you for coming on the show and 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 talking about you know both the Magic in 2019 as well as the Magic in 2009 and, tw and 2010. Uh, where where can everyone find you if, if they if they want to follow follow you? 407area.com online. Uh, you can also uh, catch me on Spectrum Sports 360 on Thursdays. 
uh, Saturdays and Sundays. Although I will be on a, a, a bit of a vacation uh, over the next couple of weeks, so uh, I'll be back on the air a, a little more consistently uh, once we get to mid-August. Yep, and, and, and by then we'll have the World Cup in full swing, so there'll be basketball back in our lives, although I'm, I'm sure you'll talk plenty of football. You can also, of course, follow David on Twitter at David Bauman or ORL. That's David Bauman, B-A-U-M-A-N-N-O-R-L. Um, definitely check check him out there. He provides a lot of good magic, magic info, and, and obviously he's been following the team for a long time too. David, thanks again for, for coming on the show, and, and hopefully we can get you back on, on, on Locked on Magic here uh, back, uh, back when the season picks up. Would love to, Philip. I, I have a great deal of respect of what you do. Absolutely love the site, and, uh, you know, and, and I'm appreciative of your work. It's, it's fun to follow the Orlando Magic through your work. I, I, I appreciate that very, very much. Thank you very much, David. And again, I think, thank you very much to David Bauman for joining us on Locked on Magic the past two days. Sorry about any of the audio issues. I had uh, a little bit of an issue recording it. I tried my best to pump up the pump up the levels uh, and, and try and even things out. So if it sounded a bit odd, I apologize. That's, not, that's completely on me. Um, technology and I do not always agree on things. Um, but of course, I want to get make sure I let you know where you, else you can follow us here. You can, of course, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play app, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnMagic. Follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We will be back again later in the week to discuss some more issues involving the Orlando Magic as we are in the dead period, but there's still plenty of thoughts rattling around as, as we get set for the season. We'll update what's going on with some of the FIBA games. Evan Fournier in France have started their prep. Team Canada has started their camp. And, of course, Team USA has started their training camp, too. We'll talk about all these issues and a whole lot more coming up on Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.